conversations to give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. And welcome to the episode 54 of the Black Psychologist Podcast. Happy all, happy that you all could be here and make it. You could be anywhere in the world. But of course, you're here with us. I am one half of your humble and gracious host, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I and I am him. And of course, you all know who have been riding with us that I'm never here by myself. I have the one and only touch the untouchable, break the unbreakable, shake the unshakable, rock the unrockable. It's Dr. Jason Coleman, baby. What's going on, good brother? Not much, man. Just, you know, relaxing, bro. Long day at work. You know, we kind of talked about that a little bit before we started recording. But, you know, blessed day. And, you know, can't complain, man. How you feeling? Getting through it, bro. Like you said, halfway through, Um, you know, can't wait for the weekend. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, man. Football, second, second week, even though my voice is out of it um, already. You know, my season's over already. But, um, you know, college football. We got some big ones coming up this this weekend, so it's gonna be a good one. Like week one was crazy, man. What? You know, that, that I'm surprised that Denver that they didn't run that coach out of Denver, man. Yeah, no, they should have. They should have. You started off the the whole year, that whole era of that. You started off with a, with a dumb play. Like, how don't you give the uh give the ball to Russell? Yeah, you know I mean on the fourth and five. I don't know what that's about. I don't know, man. They keep yeah. disrespect. Very very disrespectful. <laughs> He's disrespecting them every time it's time for the game to be on the line, you know. But, you know, we had a good week. Um, I'm just looking forward to it, man, because, you know, like we talked about this, man. I haven't seen – I haven't been able to watch football in two years because I was studying for the, te- for the you know, the P. So, yeah, it's my first, like, listen, man, I was enjoying Sunday and Monday like a kid on Christmas morning, bro. Yeah, man, if that self-care, it's the, it's the intangible, man. People always think that self-care looks like something grandiose or, you know, nah. It could be just as simple as watching the game, like just uninterrupted, just chilling, engaged in, in the game. You know, now how they, how our teams perform is a whole different question entirely. Sure, I, that's a whole listen, different deal. Listen, you know? man, that's a, a bad relationship that I can't. I can't run away from man. Oh, man. Hey, look, you know, that is Jerry. Hey, man, you know, that's, I don't know. I'm, I keep hearing the word curse keeps getting floated around, but we're not going to go there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate everybody being here, though. Um, continue to like, subscribe, um, you know, forward, let people know, tell people that we love it. Like, so why, whether you're, you're listening to us on the way or on the way home or to work or while you're at work or while you're watching us on YouTube, we definitely appreciate all the people listening and the support. So in the feedback and the comments continue, we love the engagement. So, uh, yeah, continue to absolutely, uh, provide that support. We love it. Can't be here without y'all. Definitely, you know, thank for for everybody that takes the time out to listen. So we appreciate it. You know, we can get into it. Absolutely. 
So, uh, so Jay, unfortunately, um, we have to start off with some uh, really, really difficult, somber news. Um, this past Monday, uh, unfortunately, music artist PMB Rock, whose real name is Rakim uh, Allen, was robbed, shot, and killed in uh, South Los Angeles um, around like one o'clock, one fifteen. Um, at the popular chain restaurant Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, and police were reported that um, during this this event, uh, that extensive amount of jewelry was taken um, in the armed robbery. And um, you know, for me, Jay, we talked about this a little bit um, yesterday, but right. you know, for for me, um, this is you know especially tough for not just the reason that you know he's from Philly, but like he grew up about six, seven blocks away from the house that I grew up in. Like we're both from the Germantown section of Philadelphia. Um, So it hits a little different. Um, I know a lot of his fans, a lot of all, especially the city um, are feeling it, but um, it's just kind of a certain kind of kinship that you have when you, you know, when it's somebody from your area, right. From your neighborhood. Um, and the thing that really got me, Jay, I'm going to tell you a little bit um, how I found out. Like, I found out I was uh, talking to my daughter. She called me from campus and um, was just kind of going over how her day was and such. And in the midst of everything, the conversation, she stopped and was like, oh, I know what I meant to call you about earlier was, oh, somebody shot PMB. And I like I hadn't heard anything because, um, you know, I had went straight from work straight home. I didn't even like really check my phone or anything. So I didn't get like any alerts or anything or find it on my feed. So, you know, I'm asking her like, oh, well, it's like, is he okay? Did he die? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, um, I don't know anything about that. She's like, but there was a video. And she's like, right. yeah, I saw, I saw the video and she was just like, yeah, it's like his moments. Like he's, he's like fighting for life. Like in, in like right after it happened, like he's on the ground, like right after he shot him, there's blood. And he's like, she's just like, I'm not telling you to watch it, but she's like, it's like, it's real. It's it's bad. She's like, dad, it, it is real tough to see him fighting for his life. And like right afterwards. And, you know, like it was just like her telling me, and I still haven't seen the video. Like I, I refuse to watch it. I can't, I can't watch it uh, just for my own kind of mental health well being, just to kind of, um, provide some some distance between that but um and you and i were talking about it but just like one for that to happen like we absolutely you know are going to discuss this topic in the most respectful manner possible and um absolutely acknowledging and sending thoughts and prayers out to his family um because the kid was young 30 years old man and you know two children um leaves behind you know family uh, and it's the fact, like the way she described it, and we were talking about it yesterday, especially like it just being recorded right at that particular moment and, you know, nobody doing anything. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's, man, it's so concerning, Jay. Like it, it's, it's rough because it's like, is this is what we we've come to now. Right. Right. Seeing someone immediately after, like they're they're shot, right? Immediately after they're assaulted, that you're recording it as he's sitting there, like in his case, fighting for his life. And I was thinking to myself, like some things that came up for me was like, is this is like the modern day form of bystander apathy, right? Like this is, I think, the new version. It, it's not, it's not how it used to be, where 
bystander apathy or the bystander effect or whatever have you. Like it's no longer where it used to be. Okay, it explains why you know people don't act when there's something taking place, right? Especially when there's like a group of people. So it's no longer like by definition the def you know the diffusion of responsibility or the social comparison or the apprehension of being evaluated. It's like this is now we're now restricted to what I'm seeing now more in these different type of situations is that people feel like they have they broadcast anything to the world. Right. Like the immediate reaction and as opposed to getting help or or some type of means to aid the situation is they go straight from they pull their phone out. Like someone actually had the audacity. Right. Pull the phone out, not to make a phone call. But to actually like start recording it. Well, remember, like that's that's the norm now. Right. Whereas so it's like. Instead of giving the person CPR, instead of applying pressure to the wound, instead of running to get help, the first thing, the first thought is to pull your phone out, record, and not only that, you got to come up with a some type of of uh, catchy catchphrase with emojis and everything, and then upload, and then be the first one to upload it. Yeah, because you want to be the first one, right? So in that. I mean, it, 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 there's an element to that where it's like everything's for sale, right? Everything, like, this is not, this is normal though, right? Like, like I saw this video by accident because it came on my, on my feed, but right. I saw the FBG Duck video the same way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, there's a lot, it's, it's coming to the point where we've seen a lot of these situations and we've seen them, un, um, you know, unfold on tape. Um, and of course, just to kind of reiterate what you said, it's just it hits hard because, again, you know, the city loved him. Right. Like I, I actually found out about him through, you know, one of my kind of younger um, well, it, ex-clients now because they're an adult. But, you know, there was a teenager at the time and, you know, we used to play music in the session and they and they and, you know, that's when I was working in the city a lot. Mm hmm. Um, so, and this was early in his career. So it was like, I kind of got to witness that growth of his career. Um, and, and listen, the city loved him. The city supported him. And just listen, one thing I want to kind of touch on, and I want to remove from the fact, cause I know a lot of people like to talk about, I want to just talk about what's the, the scope of what's going on here. Right. Because I think there's an element of, um, the, uh, I think we're becoming desensitized mm -hmm. on a mass scale to these deaths. And what I mean by this is um, I want you to take their profession out of it, right? Gangster rappers, let's just look at the enormity. Of, let's just look at what's happening for a minute, right? And, and the analogy I will give you is that rappers are to kids nowadays like Basketball players, actors, and rock stars were to kids in the 70s, 80s, right? Meaning, so imagine how it would feel if you was 12, 13, 18, 19, and you watched LeBron James play basketball your whole life since you was interested in basketball from 12 and at 17, it just comes across your phone that LeBron James got shot, right? And then Ben Wallace got shot, and then Rasheed Wallace got shot, and then Jason Williams got shot, right? Think about 
it, this we would be talking about it like it was an epidemic, right? But the but these rappers are that large to, in these ch- in these kids' lives, right? So what I mean by that is, what does that do to the kid that every rapper literally that you may have situations where every rapper they're listening to is dead, right? What does that do to their perception of their own life and the length of it and what kind of life they can lead, right? If this was anything else, we would look be looking at it like it was a national emergency, right? If all of a sudden we woke up and Rihanna got shot, right? And then Monica got shot. And then Brandy got shot. And then Beyonce got, you see where I'm going? Mm-hmm. I, I could fill up probably both these hands with the amount of young multi-platinum rappers that have been killed this year, right? So I, I just think like, yo, and all of these people are being killed at 23, 24, 25. So I think at some point, I don't have the answer to this. Right. Because I don't know that we, I don't think we have the connectedness as a community to really collectively do anything about it. Right. Because I think. Us in terms of the black community, we're people of the African diaspora, whatever you want to say. Right. Because um, we're all kind of responsible in one way or the other. In, in order. Like in order to do something about something like this that occurs on a mass scale, you need like community support. You know what I'm saying? And when I mean community support, I'm not just talking about like, I mean, on the scale of like we had as a black community in the, in the sixties, right? Like that type of connectedness. I'm not talking about like one community and people calling the police. That's why I think it's such a massive problem, right? Because go ahead. I'll let you respond. No, but it it's funny you say community for the reason that it's a representation of what's happening out here. Like you said, it's happening so frequently. So it's becoming normalized. So absolutely, that's going to have an impact on how the kids are seeing it. Like if they're seeing that a lot of their, you know, a lot of their, their favorite rap artists are dying before the age of 30, right? You got some that are passing away as young as 20, 22, 23, right? He, I mean, among, unfortunately, some of the ones that have passed away, he was among some of the oldest, right? He was on the older end of the spectrum. Everyone right. else have been in their young, like in their their, their early 20s. So right. that's a representation of what's actually happened out here. Like, if you look at it, we already know Philadelphia is off the hook, Right. Philadelphia is off the hook. Hell, L.A. is off the hook. And that's unfortunately where he passed away. L.A. has the police have gone off on record and saying, yo, don't come here. Right. Because that that's how hot it is out here. Even the gang members out there are saying, yo, do not come to California. Don't come to L.A. because it's hot out here. That's absolutely a representation of and people are becoming desensitized to it, like you said, because it's like, all right, well, we already know what the situation. I know my lifespan is only going to a certain age. So n- immediately now you're not gonna there, there goes long-term thinking out the window, right? Now I'm just thinking about today. I'm just worrying about surviving. And now it's gonna be, well, I gotta get mine before this person other gets his, and so on and so forth. So now it just creates this environment. It also dehumanizes us, right? For the reason that that also filters into, as opposed to me getting somebody help, let me take my phone out, right? 
I got to get these tweets. I got to get my followers up. I got to be the first person to post it. I got to be this. So now we're just dehumanizing people when they're at their most vulnerable. And it doesn't get much more vulnerable than someone actually laying there fighting for their life. But like you said, I'm not going to go rush to go get help or try to apply wound or even be by that person's side and try to talk them through it as they're, you know, it's not, you know, survival of the fittest. Right. And so, like you said, this is a representation of what's happening in all these different communities. And the only way, like you said, is going to be people to actually come together, but it's too much individualism, right? Too many people are going out for self. And that speaks even bigger to a larger problem in the record industry, right? In the music industry with all of these. Well, the thing, this is the thing. I'm glad you brought that up, but it, this is partly what I was trying to make the point I was trying to make with my last point when I brought up community, right? Is that community, and that's why I referenced like 60s, 70s, and like the black church. There's other ways that it's been done within our community, but I'm just referencing that because that's one everybody can access. Mm-hmm. You got to do a lot better job at controlling our image, right? And I and what I mean by that is. And the reason why I bring up the community is through the community, through the church, what did we do, right? We was able to get messages out, right? So we can vote together. We can boycott together. We can have a general kind of standard of certain things, right? Right. And, and, and the problem, the reason why I say that is because do- the dollar, how we spend our dollar, right, determines what we see, the images we see, right? The products that we buy, right? It determines what's reinforced. What we're gonna see on the shelves, what we're gonna see on the television, what's gonna be advertised and pushed to us, right? Now you know I'm I got this t-shirt, I got this shirt on. I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of hip hop, right? But it connects to the point that we're just making. We have to control our image because we know that the ultimately, right, the record companies, right, are winning either way, right? And the reason why I say I, I, say I connected to the image is because they're only putting, for the most part, money behind certain types of rappers, certain type of rap acts, right? And you know as well as I do, as a community, we got to do more because a lot of a lot of people that they're giving the money to aren't going to necessarily see the trap because they're in a desperate situation, right? But what is the outcome, right? So Pop Smoke gets killed, right? The record sales go through the roof. Record company gets the money. Me and you were just talking about yesterday about the clauses that the record companies have in the contracts so that they can collect on the life insurance of the artists. So they're winning either way. So so somebody like King Vaughn gets killed, his record sales go through the roof, they get his death benefit. They may be sitting around in meetings saying, go get a bunch more guys. The same label we just talked about have Mo3, Young Dolph, PNB Rock, and two more people that I forgot their names, but they they dead too. So they're collecting six death benefits this year. And, and half of those guys, quietly, they might say that they're going to sell more in death than they would have ever sold in life because this isn't like back in the day where you have a six-album project and I got to push you to be a superstar. It's not in my best interest anymore. This is the single era. We went from the ringtone era to SoundCloud. So you got that's why. So people are going making twice as much money and they're going broke twice as fast and half the time because 
you're going to get a $50,000 check one, one, one day in the mail and then $5 check the next. And it's so funny that, you that, said that, right? Because yeah, just like you just mentioned, I'm going to give you some facts, right? Because we looked it up. Couple artists, I'm gonna run past you. Triple X, right? After he yeah. passed away, XX, I his, can't let you. Yo, his, yo, his streamings, right? Yeah, his streamings rose by five hundred and forty-nine percent following right, his right. death. He as he became the no, the number one most streamed hip hop album on Spotify after he passed. In the years like following after he passed, Pop Smoke, yeah. right? His streams increased three hundred ninety-two percent. After his right. death, ongoing, right? Even Nipsey Hussle, right? Same thing. Eleven million dollars. Juice World, four hundred and fifty-three percent increase in streams after his death. Like these, like you just said, bro, are making money, right? The estate, the record companies are making money, whether it be through the life insurance or whether it just be the increase in streams. You're, they're making more money than they ever would have, right? Unfortunately. Right in death, and yeah, you know what? These record companies, right? They're sitting here. You know what? Yeah, go out there, go, go be the next. You know what I mean? Tupac, go. Don't go, don't take care of your mental health, man. Do whatever. Go live recklessly. Go wear the chains in public, right? Go do this. Whatever's gonna bring attention, because guess what? We're gonna win. We're gonna cash out on whatever happens to you, and that's the trap, right? That's the trap. That's the mentality. Because now it's like, yeah, go off to this, portray this image, but see, they don't care because. They're going to reap the financial benefits of it. And two, the whole situation that the trap that we're not realizing, right? You have these young guys who, again, are, are finding instant success, right? They're living possibly in the projects or a lower SES, and all of a sudden, joint hits through the roof. You know what I mean? They're living in a whole different zip code, whole different tier. But also, because of the music, and again, I'm not going to be a hypocrite because you see the shirt that I got on, right? Mm -hmm. We're both, again, advocates of hip hop. We both grew up on it. But unfortunately, what they don't also realize is that even the music or the type of music that you're putting out, you're going to get that energy back in some form or fashion, especially the way the temperature of these streets are. Right. Saying what you do, whatever. And whether you're just saying it for the record, you're even talking about what you used to do in a past life. Like that energy is going to follow you. But again, the record companies don't care. They're not they're not putting extra money into your security. They're not putting any extra money in for you. to. It's like, hey, man, go out, do all get all this attention. Be as real as you can be, as you say you are on this record. So whatever happens to you, we're going to win out. So it don't matter. That, and that's why I'm telling like that's the only reason why I brought up the community part aspect and the controlling your image aspect, because. <sighs> Listen, man, it's the almighty dollar. It's what we buy, it's what we watch, is what dictates, you know, what they're going to put out, you know, what they're going to market to us, you know, and what we're going to surround ourselves by. And listen, we're talking about one aspect of the conversation, right? Because obviously there's an element of not personal responsibility for getting yourself killed, right? Because the other person committed the criminal act. But right. when we talk about... Um, some of the situations that some of these guys we put put themselves in, we you know that's a that's a part of the conversation too, right? But that's obviously not necessarily what we're talking about today. But again, I just I just think across the board, right? Nobody's talking about this, right? And that's the proof of all of us being desensitized to it, right? Um, and just the fact alone that people have to wake up and understand that just the fact alone, you know, becoming a rapper is just is is 
just like making it to the NBA, like you're you're one in a million, right? You're you're an outlier, totally. For lack of a better uh, phrase, lack of a better term. So my point is, and how many people do we know that have hit song year after year after year? So my point is, after you get that single, you expendable to these record companies. They would probably rather have you dead. Respectfully, if you're sitting on the shelf and you ain't had a song out in years, their their they cash registers is ringing through the roof. So they're gonna release a statement. Yeah, we apologize. We're sorry for the death and condolences to the family. And then they're gonna go find another you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I bring up that community aspect of it because until like within our own family, within our own relationships, interactions, until we start redefining what we feel is cool, what we feel is popular, what we're going to pay attention to. We're going to keep seeing this, right? Because they're going to capitalize off it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, because if you if you were to pin the record companies down, they're going to say what a lot of people would say, right? They're going to be like, well, the culture is there. Everything that they're doing is a microcosm of what's going on in their neighborhood. So we just figured out a way to profit from it. Why you blaming? That's it. All they're doing is capitalizing on our community and our struggle, bro. Um, you know, so um, you know, I I don't have the answer to this, but it just seems like we having these conversations a lot every other month. You know, nah, way way too frequently. I do feel like the the best place to start, especially as far as community is, as opposed to ripping each other down and pointing the finger. Right. It's all right. This took place because we have to. I think also the dehumanizing aspect of it is that people start pointing out, um, you know, what contributed to this. Right. They start blaming him for wearing the jewelry. They blame the girlfriend. They blame all these other different things. And as opposed to like as a community, you should be coming together and looking at it like this guy was 30 years old. He has two kids. I think there's two daughters. Right. Dad's not coming home. Let's just right. call it what it is. Right. His girlfriend, baby mother, I'm not sure what exactly the relation, but his girlfriend was there when it happened, right? Right. But so many people are focusing on, oh, well, she posted where they were, blah, 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 blah. So now you're already victim shaming. As opposed, you're supposed to be a community. We should be coming together and like lifting her up and showing her support. She saw what happened. She just saw a traumatic event. You know, if that's the mother of his kids, listen, she's got a whole different world and road ahead of her that she's going to have to rear these kids without them, right? You don't know what her financial situation is. But again, the community, the Internet starts Interneting. Right. We automatically not just black people, but just overall. But especially those that are from that black community already start ripping her apart, already start victim shaming. So it's like, no, we don't know what contributed to this robbery. Like you said, the streets are hot out there. So for people to come down hard on her, which I've already seen, and I can only imagine what she's going through. Now you want to compound on this? Like you want to start piling in and start blaming her and coming up with all these different things? This is where that community needs to start at. And like, all right, how can we support her? Right. At least some positive words of support. But, you know, that's the natural tendency. And and it's a very weak response. But a lot of people respond that way for everything. Right. So you'll see somebody get killed. Remember when we were talking about the pastor getting robbed? Right. You know, we talk about PNB Rock getting robbed, Pop Smoke getting robbed. They're gonna be like, "Well, why was he down there eating?" That's what they're gonna say. Not like, "How could this happen in broad daylight?" Right? 
not how could this person get away, right, with a restaurant full of people, right? Not how could he still be out now, right? But that's what we like to do culturally, right? It's a crabs in a barrel mentality because underneath that, there's a feeling of, well, he rich and he got more more than me anyway. Because every single one of those persons, every single one of those people, excuse me, you take P&B Rock out the picture and put their brother, their uncle, their they mother in that same seat getting robbed for $10 or $20 or $100 instead of that diamond chain. And they're going to want you to have empathy. Because he or she was just eating waffles, right? But what people have to understand is that P&B Rock was somebody's son, father, nephew, right? To, that, to those people... He's not just some rich guy with tattoos. He's, what was his name? Hmm? What was his full name? Oh, Rakim. To them, he's just Rakim. There you go. Right? But that's what we do. So that's what you're going to see all under the pictures. You're going to see normal people that are either going to say nothing or say my condolences or whatever. And then you're going to have people who are out of their brain that are saying, well, how could he be eating with a chain on it. Now, if Michael Jackson went down there or Prince with all his jewelry on, it's fine, right? Yeah. But we've dehumanized rappers to the point where we're like savages, right? We This is what we expect. Now, if, if Beyonce was down there getting Roscoe's chicken and waffles and somebody laid her out, everybody felt bad for Kim Kardashian when she got robbed and put in the bathtub, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's the empathy? For the for the the other entertainers they that get robbed, there is none because we've desensitized them because they're black men and the life of a black male is cheap in America. So here you go. There it is. TMZ is showing the body shaking on broad on broad in, in broad daylight. Yeah, man, it's nasty, man. It's, it's nasty. I, <sighs> yeah, so we'll we'll see um, as this continues to develop and more information comes out. Um, but absolutely, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers to his family um, as they go through this tragedy. Um, speaking of social media, now, Jay, if you've been on TikTok or social media for the past few months or so, <laughs> all right, you may have heard of this new term that's floating around called quiet quitting. All right. Now, despite the name, though, all right. However, despite the name, it doesn't actually involve quitting, okay. right? It do, you're not quitting the job. So the term describes like this new phenomenon of workers like refusing to go above and beyond um, at their jobs instead of simply like meeting like the you're meeting like the job's basic requirements. And like so I, I looked up the standardized definition. All right. So this is what I was able to obtain. All right. This is, this is what outlines um, the following signs of quiet quitting. All right. So it says saying no to task outside of the traditional job description, uh, not replying to emails or Slack messages outside of work, leaving work on time, being less emotionally invested, no more overachieving and reduced interest in going above and beyond to secure a promotion at a company. All right. So 
gaining some more information, I was reading an article and it said, why are employees quietly quitting? All right. So it says many employees are fed up with not receiving wage increases or promotions congruent with the amount of effort that they're putting into their work. It says others are tired of not having enough time or energy for non-work endeavors like family, friends, hobbies, and other activities. So it said rather than putting in their resignation, these workers are standing up for their rights, their physical health, and their sanity by saying, I'm not going to compromise my well-being by overextending myself, especially not without a significant pay raise or increased time off. All right, Jay, let's let's uh let's call this what this is. All right. Uh people are pretty much going to work and doing the bare minimum. All right. Yeah. That, that, that's what this is. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm not believing the hype with this trend. I'm sorry. I'm out on this. Um you know, even though the quiet quitting proponents, they claim that um, like its upsides include less stress and, you know, let investing less of yourself in a job and incorporating boundaries. But here's the whole thing with incorporating boundaries. <laughs> OK, <laughs> you can incorporate boundaries without phoning it in. All right. Like there's plenty of ways for you to go to a job and incorporate all right boundaries and, and setting limits and things that can protect your own wellness without you just showing up and doing the bare minimum. All right. right. And like this is this really what we're talking about, Jay. Like this is poor and lower job satisfaction and job commitment. All right. That's just what it is. It's like you're not satisfied with whatever your job situation is due to whatever reason. I get it. Um, but you sitting there and just kind of doing the bare minimum, uh, I'm, I'm kind of out on that, you know, like it's, I mean, you just kind of just showing up and doing whatever you're going to do. Like, I, like, I feel like that may work in certain job situations or circumstances, but yeah, not everybody has that luxury, you know, of just doing what I'm just going to show up and then I'm, I'm just going to clock out. Cause I'm, I'm not committed to this job. Well, listen. And see, it's good you brought that up because, right, like they addressed that in the article. They said they're not talking about like traditional, like undercompensated jobs. Right. So mm. we've seen that. They made movies about that. Right. We've seen Friday. We've seen next Friday. We've seen Good Burger. Right. So listen, <laughs> you know, I, the other movie, one of my it was it was one of my favorite movies. I I, I keep forgetting what the what the name was. It was with Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh-huh. I don't they made it in Jersey. It was like a cult classic. You talking about uh, Office Space? Not Office Space, right? Nah, this was, was when they were standing outside the store. It was standing outside the store for all. I, I'll look it up, bro. I, all that's right, a, all right. But my my point is, they weren't talking about under um, compensated jobs, right? So you can assume that these are jobs, you know, that have room for growth, right? So this is why. So or or jobs where you can move up, right? If they're not talking about undercompensated traditionally undercompensated jobs. So this is what makes me think the whole kind of argument is illogical because they're saying we're going to do the bare minimum unless we get a pay raise, right? But the only way you really move up and get pay raises in any industry is if you hustle harder. So right. how are you going to do the bare minimum and then say that's so is uh, the way they're phrasing it unless I'm missing something is like quiet quitting is really waiting to get fired or you know what I mean it's waiting for something for nothing you know what I mean because and then I think again right this is where we get off into this conversation between 
new age definitions of like stress and mental health and what it really is. Because listen, responsibilities of a job are responsibilities of a job. You you know what I'm saying? Like, is this this is why it's it's called work and not the weekend. You know, it's not necessarily supposed to be um, fun. You know what I mean? But and you and you gotta again. They say upside is less stress, right? But the downside again. The first thing I wrote down before I even got to the end of the article is no advancement. You know, yeah. so yeah, it's it's here's um, the thing, right? I I don't. It's this isn't new, right? This is like this isn't new. Just looking busy at work. Yeah. Like this is this is what I'm trying to remember. What were we talking yo, about last episode? Yo, right? perfect, that's a perfect example. Go ahead, go it, ahead. Is 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 George Costanza on Seinfeld right, saying yeah. yo, every time uh Mr. Wilhelm comes to his office, he's like, Yo, if I look angry, they think I'm busy. He's like, yeah, they think I'm the hardest. Quiet quitting. It's been around 20 years. And that's the thing. Like, just like any of these terms, like I feel like this is the this is the era, right? Where you take things that didn't have a term, it was like one of those kind of quiet behaviors. And now we we've given it a term or we've labeled it with a a definition or terminology, right? right? So now it's new. Like, no, this has been around. Listen, man. This is not a new behavior or tread. It's just now it's a, it has a label attached to it. Like I, I was quietly quitting my senior year. It was called senioritis. You see the <laughs> me, bro? Like, <laughs> like we've been doing this for years. Like this is nothing new. It's just like any other trend that came up on TikTok or social media. They gave it a title, and now it's like, oh, this is all a new thing. Uh, no, no, this is people have been coming to work and not doing work, or at least looking there, being busy, and like. Just just being there, like just showing up and getting a check for not for doing the bare minimum for years. And whether that person was unhappy about their situation or they were just like, yo, I'm I just I'm just trying to get by. Like, that's what it is. So, I mean, I get like to the the, the employee that unfortunately is getting emails after work or is doing overtime or staying later and not being compensated for it. That's a different type of situation entirely. And absolutely, you should be incorporating boundaries and talking to HR, doing whatever measure you need to do to protect your wellness. But I I don't think this is what this is. Like, you just have people, like you said, they're just sitting there and it's like, I'm just going to show up for work. I'm going to be on the phone. And if I'm, you know, a person that checks in people like at a hospital or a medical office and I'm just making an appointment and if they ask me if there's anything sooner, I'm not going to (laughs) look like I'm just going to be like, Right. This is no, there's only something open Yo. six months from now. I'm not gonna put you on a wait list. Like this is what it is. Like that's that's what this this sounds like to me. I listen, I agree. And it is honestly on a serious note, I know we you know we taking this a little bit light, but on a serious note, I think it speaks to the larger issue of the importance of matching up like your career or your job or your passion, like with your real passion and interests. Right. Because a lot of these people that they're talking about, again, this comes down to like being unsatisfied. Right. Mm-hmm. On, a, on a job and how that's going to impact productivity and all, and how that's going to impact, you know, um, what uh, retention and all of that stuff. Um, and then I just think on a larger note, when we look at people, we expect right people 
kids, right, 17, 18 years old, going into college or leaving high school, right, to, to make that choice, essentially, like, what career path they're going to go down, right? And I again, it's kind of a big question because culturally we've been doing it forever, but that's a big choice. 17, 18 years old, all the cultural influences you have, right? You're this culture, so you have to go into this career, right? Parental influences. Your parents want to make you do this because they didn't do something, right? Financial motivation. At 17, 18 years old, everybody wants to be a doctor or a lawyer or this or, or CEO because they want to make so much money, right? And they got this ideal kind of life plan, right? All of that. Education. You got teachers steering you wrong. Will look you in your face and say, "Yeah, you're gonna be a janitor, and you're gonna be a you gonna be a CEO." So here's the application for Duke University, and here's the county college application. But these, this is all the all these decisions. You know that again, we may be surveying these people 10, 15 years later when they're 30, 35. You know, 30, whatever, however, you know, old, and they're in the workforce. But at some point, they were graduating from high school, and they had to make a decision. They didn't just get where they're at. And I think we got to kind of look at a, as a culture as putting more emphasis into that, right? Either, I'm not saying every kid should take a gap year, but I'm saying either starting the high school or the college, meaning like give these kids a longer time to, 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 to declare their major and make a class in high school about career counseling and different yeah. things, right? Um, formulate a class out of that so that these kids can have different experiences in different areas and try to align their career, their careers and their interests and their passions a little bit more. So you don't kind of get this, right? Because what do we see on a large level? We see a lot of people start college, not finish. Look up, look up the numbers of how many of these people with student loan debt, you know, don't have degrees. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I get so and a lot of them, you know, and a lot of people who have degrees are working in different fields. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think. I'm not blaming because, again, we look, we ask people that are essentially couldn't vote one year, couldn't drink one year, well, can't drink, and they couldn't vote one year, and we ask them to make decisions that's going to affect the rest of their life without a lot of information. Most people graduating high school have the information that their parents gave them and their guidance counselor. So it's like your parent, if your parents tell you to be this or do this, you know, you, you, you're likely to kind of follow that advice or somebody that you think has your best interest. So I think we we need to look at that as a bigger issue, man. No, absolutely. I, I agree a thousand percent. Absolutely. Uh, like more information is needed, especially at the high school level, as far as like just a wide spectrum of careers of different avenues and different fields that are available. Right. Cause a lot right. of people going to college was a very narrow, um, as far as choices and what field and what you can be. And then you get to college and you're like, Oh, well, I never knew about this. And it just leads to a lot of indecision and a lot of stress for them. In addition to that, Jack, here's another thing, right? Be- for the reason that everybody seems to be on board or at least I don't want to say everybody, but a good deal or a good number of people are on board with the quiet quitting. Yeah, that's right, man. You know, yeah. Don't, if you don't like the job, don't go above beyond man. But here's the thing, right? This is what people aren't taking into consideration. All that quiet quitting is all well and good until you're on the other end of that person that's also doing the quiet quitting. 
Right. Right. So what happens when you're at like Home Depot or you're at a retail store and you got that employee that's quietly quitting. Right. And you're asking for serving. He just giving you the bare minimum. I'm like, oh, you oh. have this product. And he's like, mm, nah, I don't think so. Well, can you go check? Nah, I don't I'll really have it. to. Like, it's like, you ever been to that McDonald's on Chelton? Oh, bro. Let me not even get into that, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you get quiet quitting central, bro. Yo, like, I was in a, in a line for McDonald's for, or Chelton for 45 minutes, and the cashier was, was four feet away from me outside smoking a cigarette. That's He's like, yeah, I'm going back in the window. Going back in the window in a minute. Look, man, quiet quitting is every time you go into the McDonald's and the um you can't get a, a milkshake or, or or ice cream because the machine broke. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And all that is, all that is, is that they don't want to clean the machine. You know that, and I know that. Like my daughter right. worked at Readers. She was like, "Listen, we hate cleaning the the the, uh, the milkshake, whatever machine, because it takes so long." So that's why I was like, "Oh, that makes sense. That's what the secret is. That's quiet quitting right there, bro." So that's what I'm saying. Like everybody's cool with it until you you're on the other side of it and you want that above and beyond service. And then the other person is like, nah, I'm not doing that. You just gonna get the bare minimum yeah. out of me. Like, that's a good that's a good point. I mean? So right. yeah, you know, it's all it's all good, but you know, you know how that goes. All right, Jay. So earlier, right, you mentioned football, right? I mean, we're not gonna get into NFL football because both of our teams have stumbled out the gates and uh, we're not even gonna get into that. All right, but College football is absolutely upon us. And even more importantly, um, some HBCUs are making noise, man. You know, you and I are both HBCU alumni, so we're actually, you know, always tuned into that. So our guy, Dion Primetime Sanders, is the coach at Jackson State, right? And he's, he's they're doing very well. But he's also enforcing some other different rules this mm-hmm. fall all right so if you're going to play for coach sanders at jackson state you're going to have to follow some new dress code rules so the the former nfl star informed his players that some classroom dress code rules are happening this year and he said he wants his players to dress nice and be attentive in class so what he says is that no slides or sandals no armpits exposed no wife beaters or tank tops as he says um you got to sit in front of the classroom. You have to be the perfect gentleman because when it comes down to it, he says, you need that help. You need that professor is going to help you and recall your character and who you've been constantly in that class. So he said, no slides, no sleeveless shirts, no armpits, none of that. Um, and it's been a mixed reaction um, that as far as like feedback online. So um, one, I got a couple uh, comments right here. He said one person has said it shouldn't matter how one dresses, but I spent eight years working in a suit store. And the truth is when you dress nice, people treat you better. And it does have an effect. Another fan said, uh, or another person commented, said, I get it and all, but let these kids be the kids all the same time. He said, this is a time where they need to enjoy life. Don't get me wrong. When it comes to hunker down and get your job, you got to do what you got to do. But let's stop controlling every little thing that these guys do and live and let them live a little bit. So I'm be honest with you, Jay. I was uh, I was surprised at the negative responses. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have thought that more people would have been on board with this. Um, I know as just um as a parent and as like it's a football fan and just like watching college football high school football nfl football and all that like i like this idea like i like the idea of them you know one dressing appropriately right i like the idea of them being in the front of class and being attentive and being engaged 
for the reason that Dion is, he's a hundred percent right. Like you don't know when you are going to need these professors. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this also dispels like that notion and that stereotype that, you know, the athletes are just in there and, you know, they're just there, they're going to pass or whatever. They're dumb jocks. Like, nah, this is changing the culture, right? It's not going to change it overall, but this is how you start to take steps and, you know, towards that, right? You impress upon your players that like, nah, you have to take this seriously. You have to be in there and you don't know like how this is going to impact you. Like, so if you're in there playing around, you're joking around, and then it turns out that you need this professor to either, you know, help you either put your grade like on a curve or you need him to either provide some extra um, support or whatever the situation may be. Like, like this is going to go into that's going to go into that decision. And it also starts to I think it plants the seed and gets them conditioning in regards to networking. Right. Like you never know when you're going to need somebody at whatever different time. Uh, So I like this. I like the professionalism that he's trying to impose and encouraging this. I'm um, I'm I'm all the way in this with with prime time. I think uh, some people are miss. I I think some people are kind of missing the point. And that's why it's always important to have context, right? Because people are probably reading a quote that says Deion Sanders issues a dress code for players and then they're reacting to that, right? The problem is this. I I totally agree with him, right? Because what he's trying to do is provide some balance, right? And if you don't understand Deion Sanders and you don't understand the culture, then you won't understand. And what I mean by this is Deion Sanders is a a football genius on a lot of levels, right? He's a hall of famer. Jackson state is lucky to have him. He's a, he's a great coach and he's earned it on his own merit. Right. But he has always been the ultimate players coach and he does things the way he wants to do them. If you look in that, uh, on that sideline, you're going to see Gilly the kid out there. Right. You're going to look and you're going to see celebrities, rappers, all types of people coming through the locker room. Right. You're going to see them dancing in the locker room. You're going to see Prime with his chain on. You're going to see Coach Prime with his with his uh, sunglasses. Shades yeah. on, right? But but what I, but I respect it all, right? Because that's the culture, right? But what he's saying is he's providing balance. He's saying, yo, we can be loose. We can be relaxed. We can listen to hip hop. We can, we, but guess what? I want you to be in the same way in the classroom as, I, as you are on the field. His practices is like the military. You know what I mean? They know what they need. They know how they need to dress for practice, how they need to show up and be prepared. It's work hard and it's play hard, right? But trust me, I, I think the people, like if you looked at those comments, right? Like most people, they want it. They want everything, right? So they're going to say, leave the kids alone. And when it's time to get a job, they'll just get a job. That's not how the world works. You understand? You don't, when an opportunity knocks, you can't get ready. You got to have been getting ready the whole time. Stay ready. Like, like people are out of their mind if they think like, I'm not trying to, you didn't roll out of the bed and become Dr. Osborne for no reason. Like there are people behind you, whether that's parents, mentors that have been preparing you to compete and compete better than the person sitting next to you for your whole life. Same with me. Right. So that's why I ultimately respect it because it's a reflection of kind of how I live my life. Like I'm a very loose down to earth person. I will out party you, but I take pride in outworking you and study out studying you too. 
that's why again there are people you know who who can see one side of something and then that's all they take right so what i think he's trying to do is put it into his players minds early because remember they're young they're 19 20 like yeah we gonna we loose in the locker room we turned up we lit we, we doing all of that we're gonna dance we're gonna do all of that when we get to practice i don't want to hear none of that there's no smiles right we getting to work and when you go to class it's not an extension of the of the jumping around and looseness in the locker room it's put your hard hat on and get to work so i respect it yeah, this is also an extension. If you're going to be that way, like you said on the field, that professionalism, it needs to go in the classroom, right? Because right. this is representation. Because you know how it is, Jay, like when, you know, when we were in college or you're in high school, whatever the situation may be, like the players, they're coming into the classroom. They, what are they wearing? They're wearing their football gear. Like they're wearing like right. the hoodies, they're wearing the sweats or whatever. It's, you're not going to be in the classroom wearing the Jackson State hoodie and sweatshirts and you back in this, you cutting up. Because not only is that a representation of yourself, but that's a representation of him as a coach. Right. right? You're up there. It's going to be, oh, well, that what's the name player was back there. He was talking. I'm trying to do the lesson. I'm trying to do this. He's cracking jokes or whatever the situation may be. No, we're not going to have that. This is a representation, not only of yourself, of the coach and of the school. So planting those seeds, conditioning them to have that professionalism. And it's also a relationship, right? He's fostering relationships between them and their teachers right can't you know impress upon that enough is that you will need these teachers whether it's for a recommendation you're going to need them for a reference you're going to need them for whatever right this that's what these professors do you never know when they're going to come in handy and whatever the situation may be future so like you said preparing them as they go along and not just all right after you're done college now you got to learn how to conduct yourself in the workplace Right. You have to know how to conduct yourself during a lecture. You have to learn how to conduct yourself during in a meeting. No, this, you, you learn that in college. That's what's all a part of that transition between becoming a young adult into a full fledged adult. So um, I'm, I'm totally on board with this. Um, I like what Primetime's doing. And um, I, I hope I mean, I don't know about other schools. I'm happy that he's being more you know, overt with this, right? There may be other schools, there may be other programs that are doing this, but he's making it a point to say, listen, this is what I'm doing with my team. This is what I'm doing with my program. And hopefully other programs, if they're not already doing it, follow suit with this. So I'm right, with, you know? All right, Jay, listen, a new study have come out regarding the treatment of alcohol use disorder. You listening? You ready? Yeah. All right. So a new study suggests that Psychedelic drug therapy may be helpful in the treating of alcohol use disorder. Researchers at NYU Grossman School of Medicine found that two doses of cyclobin, which is they found in the cyclodelic, uh, cyclodelic mushrooms, reduces heavy drinking by an average of 83% in people with that condition. So they conducted a study with 93 men and women who took part in the study and were given either two doses of the compound or a placebo. And the research monitored their drinking over an eight-month period. So whereas those who took the cyclobin reduced their drinking by 83%, those who took the placebo reduced their drinking by an average of 51%. So their findings or their findings strongly suggest that cyclamine therapy is a promising means of treating alcohol use disorder, which is a complex disease that has proven notoriously difficult to manage. All right. 
what do you think about these studies and these findings so far, Jay? Um, I think, listen, context is important, right? And people, mm -hmm. people can't jump to conclusions because what you're going to hear from people, it's the same thing we talked about the mushroom moms, right? Right. Um, what you're going to hear from people is essentially an analogy like it's like um, opioids and methadone, right? Like you're trading one drug for another, right? But context is important. You got to read the article, right? That's why they said cyclobin therapy, right? Like not recreational use of cyclobin, right? So you got to, we got to be able to start at the same foundation if we're going to understand it the same way, <laughs> right? No, 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 seriously, because you got people who are just going to throw that whole piece out the window and say, it's just another drug, right? So cyclobin therapy is not recreational use of cyclobin, right? So it's not kind of the same thing. So you're not replacing one thing for another. Mm -hmm. um, the second is, I was kind of looking at the cost benefits and I was like, it, 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 it comes down to a cost benefit situation, right? So it's like, it may be less harmful. It's probably less harmful for you on your body, right? When you're talking about like your liver and all, and all your organs, you know, you're all the potential to for all of the uh, different diseases that and, and challenges that come along with alcoholism, right? Um, so I think those are the things people need to think about. Um, now, again, it's not going to be a one size fits all thing, right? They said the, the antihistamine place boo, you know, lowered some people's drinking by by half the amount, right? With the place boo, right? So what that tells me is that you know, um, without the drug, you know, we're, we're talking about heavy drinkers that are drinking half as much, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we may be able to use behavioral strategies, other, other things, right? Um, but again, there might be some people where the cyclobin is the best option for them. So it's one of these things where you need to kind of uh, you need to kind of look at it on a bunch of different levels and look at it for what is really what it really is. You know what I'm saying? Um, and alcoholism, alcohol use disorder, whatever you want to call it, you know, obviously it's notoriously like difficult to manage. Like, yeah, it's so um, you got to tell and make these treatments is all I'm going to say to each person. You know, yeah. So it's another available treatment. Yeah, it's um, one. I think it needs further studies um i mean this was a pretty small sample size we're talking about 93 were 100, 100 people it was, yeah it was like 93 or over a little bit over 100 people um so i, I believe that that needs more um absolutely need more studies um i understand the concept as far as like you know it's affecting like the neurotransmitter right it's affecting the uh, the serotonin which you know it has a positive impact on that that's absolutely like the rewarding system in the brain right so i i get that aspect of things um but I think, like you said, content is important for the reason that you don't want someone just going out and being like, oh, well, this is I can if I take these, these mushrooms, I'll be good. Where anyway, in regards to um, any regarding substance abuse treatment, whether it be alcohol um, or any type of narcotic or drug, um, it's a combination of things. So I think that's also an important element to keep in mind. And the most important aspect in any type of recovery is going to be that patient's readiness. 
right? Because if that person is still like in those early stages as far as like pre-contemplation, they're one, not going to even try this intervention. But even two, if that person is later on, later in those recovery or readiness of uh, readiness stages, it's not going to be as effective, right? Because that's, that's a big, and I think that's also where um, the aspect of, like you said, the heavy drinkers, even with the placebo, it dropped off. So if that per- particular person is already in the state, maybe they got they were a part of the study because they're in, in you know ready to stop drinking, right? They're they're trying different measures or trying different interventions, and if they receive the placebo and they 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 believe that that work again, like you said, incorporating the behavioral component, right? There may be some other different readiness as far as or readiness to change or ready for treatment regarding this particular issue. So. I think there's a lot of different um, components that will be, you know, utilized with this. But I I feel like even just with the mushrooms or the psychedelics alone, you're still going to need another aspect, right? You're still going to need the social support. So whether that's in the form of support groups or that's in the form of AA or whatever the circumstances, you're still going to need the therapy aspect of it, right? Because even if you know, you're able to address the, the physiological or the biological aspect of the addiction piece, what's contributing to it, right? The stress management, the, you know, maybe that there's trauma that the person is coming, because we all know that drinking is a maladaptive coping skill. Yeah. So you're still going to need those other aspects of treatment, I feel like, in order for you to be successful overall anyway. So, I mean, this, it's cool. It sounds promising. Um, where if you're talking like this could be a component or an intervention that could be successful. But I feel like in these articles, and like you mentioned with context, you have to continue to add and say, well, you need these other pieces, right? You need the support and you need the the therapy aspect of it also to be completely successful. That's just my part on it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm sure that that's just the title of the the article, like, you know, um, psychedelic therapy, blah, 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 blah. But I'm sure it's a whole treatment regimen. You know what I mean? I'm sure they're not so. giving, giving people cyclovin pills because I'm, I hope, I'm, I'm sure it's a, it's a treatment, whole treatment regimen. With, I mean, with some of those, you know, I'm hopeful, like with some of those components in it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure of that. But like you said, man, you'll have people reading the article and they'll be going, like, yo, I need some mushrooms. But, but I was just kind of speaking as to like more so because a lot of these articles nowadays, you know, they're available all over the place. Right. So it's not necessarily somebody that's fami- not familiar with research or is just looking at the headline like we were talking about with the Deion Sanders thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's important that, OK, they're going to they may formulate an opinion thinking that it's like, you know, we're trading one substance for another mm-hmm. when what. So the, the cyclobin therapy is not recreational use. It's just people have to kind of proceed with that as the foundation, you know? Yeah, I just get worried, especially uh, for the reason that, I, you know, it's been decriminalized in a lot of states. So mm-hmm. people's access and just like with the whole issue with the microdosing and with people having access to this. And they're like you said, training one drug and for another one, people will go off and, and they'll start, you know, going on their own whim. Right. And just kind of taking it and because they read this and not fully reading all the whole article or putting it in appropriate context, they'll just go out and just start self-medicating. And then it turns into another whole host of issues. So 
you know, if it's helpful, hopefully again they, they do more research and we'll we'll see how this turns out. But you know, if it, it's if it's helpful and it's actually like you said, a, the therapeutic aspect of part of it, hey, I welcome it. So we'll see. You know, so anything else before we get out of here, Jay? No, nah, of course we just want to um, listen. Fifty four is a big number. Um, so again, just want to you know. Uh, just say say thanks to the host for for you know uh, driving the ship, you know and doing it how you do. Um, and just want to you know obviously thank everybody that takes the time you know to listen every week. We both appreciative of that. Um, you know we're gonna keep the you know the content coming um, and just continue to like the videos and we appreciate it and comment on the videos. Definitely appreciative and uh, thankful for that. So that's Absolutely. it. Absolutely, and don't forget shop mental health clothing. Dot com. Don't forget it because you can wear your, your mental health as well as you taking care of it. In fact, if you're wearing it, you're taking care of it even better. There you go. That's right. Prioritize your mental health. That's it. All right, Jay. Um, until next time, bro. Uh, we'll see. We'll get through this weekend, man. We'll see what this uh this weekend brings for, for our squads, and uh hopefully it'll be a little better. You know what I mean? All right, yeah, man. Like, you know, we'll talk, man, because uh, you know, we could We'll, we can maybe we could do another episode like Monday or something just to, in case we get tied up, you know? Yes, sir. Well, we're going to need to kind of cope, man, because if it's any um, indicative of how it was last week, we absolutely going to need to take our, uh, our thoughts off this thing. It's like a, it's like a trade wreck already. <laughs> nah, I feel you, man. All right, bro. All right, man. All right, later.